It's time to unify and simplify the IT world. We are here to do that one podcast at a time. I'm Steve. I'm McKay. And welcome to the Interchange IT Podcast. McKay, how's your day going? Good. I was just playing like the air piano or something there. I'm not sure what I, I was I think doing. it was the air synthesizer. Yeah, I don't know what was else. happening there, but I was playing it. Yeah, you were. You were jamming. I was. I was How's jamming. your day going? It's good. It's good. I'm getting ready to go on a trip. So that's fun. Where are you going? We are going to the East Coast. We got some, a screaming deal on some stuff, like a hotel. And then we used points to travel to the East Coast and get a... Uh, yeah, we're going to South Carolina to the beach. Ooh. Yeah. Hilton Head? Hilton Head. Ooh. And I don't even golf. No, there's beach. Plenty of beach there. But uh, glad to hear your day is going better than Uber's. Yeah, right? Uber's is not <laughs> going well. First, everybody wants to delete the app. Did you ever delete the app? Um, no. I never deleted the app. It's no. too useful. And uh, then their self-driving cars are killing people. Yeah, that's no good. Um, the video of that is horrifying, by the way. I haven't seen the video. Don't. You Nor do, do I it. want to. Here's the thing. I think, I think hopefully we're smart enough as a society that we are able to see that for every new technology, early adoption stuff happens, and we don't – this doesn't set the technology back 15, 20 years, right? Right, right. Now, I'm not trying to minimize, certainly – um, but I don't know. I just hope but it doesn't set the technology back. I think the other thing, though, is people will recognize that what the crap is Uber doing making self-driving cars? They are a crowdsourced taxi driving that app. That is perhaps the least regulated business in the world comparative to other companies who do the same thing like taxi drivers. So what do they know about man- – that's totally outside right. of their space. Right. right. Totally outside their space. But uh, there is a uh, a new – uh, a, a new self-driving car that we should talk about. Okay, let's do it. It's the probably what I would argue is, is one of the most attractive self-driving cars. Oh, Waymo. Yeah, Jaguar. The Jaguar. Jaguar uh, has a new one that they just the I Pace, and uh, it's it's that's a good-looking car. I like that very much. It's a car. You can see the picture if you had it on your screen. So yes. That you don't. Look, we'll, we'll have Erica put it in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, the, but, other, the, other thing, uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting coming out of the self-driving car world is the increased um, focus from mainline manufacturers. So I just read a, an article this week that GM is now putting level two to even level three self-driving technology in many of their high-end Cadillacs and other, other automobiles. So I think this is coming. It's... It's a shame that that happened in Arizona and that, uh, you know, bad things happened. So. To quote a great man, not a great man. Just a dude. Mr. Ball. Okay. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Stay, Stay in, in your lane. lane. That's right. The other news I was going to bring up is it looks like Mark Zuckerberg just refused to appear before Parliament in the UK. They're like, we really want you to come and talk about this data stuff. And he's like, no, not going to do it. Yeah, so. this is a, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here. Facebook's value in the last like 10 days has dropped by over $100 million. So, yeah, um, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mr. Zuckerberg and, um, and Facebook. Well, uh, was it you that was saying that uh, rumor has it he is unloading? No, rumor has it. He sold more. Here, put it this way. He has sold more stock 
in his company than any person has ever sold in their company in such a short period of time. Think about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he's clearly spooked, and I think Facebook um, has some splaining to do. Yeah, they do. Now, we should have an episode. Actually, this would be an interesting episode, Steve, is we should have an episode where we talk about some of the data implications here and what they, what they mean specifically because I think most people just take for face value the way that these ads on Facebook work, like based on some CNN story or something. But having bought a bunch of ads on Facebook for eight years now and mm-hmm. seeing the way their ad model has changed, I think this works very differently than most people would assume. So we may need to have a separate episode on that to talk about like exactly what this Facebook data stuff means. And is. Well, the other thing is, did you ever use Firefox? Yes. Uh, Mozilla's Firefox has a new add-on that uh, uh, keeps Facebook data isolated to the social network. So it won't spread it across. Right. Yep. I think you're going to see more and more of that of trying to just keep these social media platforms in their in their space and not let them matriculate out into other areas. And then what, let's one last bit of news here. You are uh, an iPad user. I am. And you like your uh, pencil. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, and it works even though your your screen is cracked. Cra- well, cracked, alone. shattered. It, it's more like it's been thrown through a rock chipper. That's possible, right? Uh, Apple just unveiled a new uh, 9.7 inch iPad with Apple Pencil support. Interesting thing is, first of all, I'm excited about that. Um, it's like 329. Um, I'm gonna have to get one for the flying the drone. But the other interesting thing is uh, this is not when Apple normally releases products. They usually do those big conferences, you know, and uh, at their, you know, it's a big anticipated thing. This is kind of out of the blue. They're holding a press conference in Chicago right now. So that's a little weird. I like that. All right. So we have, I think, (coughs) maybe the, the coolest Brit in the whole company here. And that's saying something. That is. We have a lot of Brits, and and most of them are pretty cool. Yes. But Phil may be the coolest. So Phil Merson um, is joining us today live from the U.K. Are you in the U.K., Phil? I am in the U.K., yes. There you go. Would you agree that you're the coolest Brit at the company? I, I just had a little chortle to myself, but uh, it's the first time I think I've been called a cool person, <laughs> especially from my children. That wouldn't be. <laughs> right All right. Well, <laughs> make them listen to this and see if they um, agree. Well, you can tell them you're on a podcast now. And you somehow got to use yeah. the word chortle. Yeah, you did. You podcast. got to use the word chortle on a podcast. All right, Phil. So what we're going to do... Extra we... points for whilst. Whilst, yes. Whilst and shall and all the fancy British words. Yes. So, um, Phil, we have a, a just a fun little quiz to do with you before we start and dig into the topic. So Phil is our resident IT asset management expert at the company, which is, I think, one of the... It's probably the, one of the two fastest growing experts of IT software... Or fastest growing areas, rather, of IT software. Um, so he's going to talk about that. He's got some great stories of companies doing this wrong, <laughs> which are kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, But first, Phil, we have a pop quiz for you. You ready? The lightning round. The lightning it's round. been too long since we've done the lightning round, McKay. It has been. It's, ha- it's been several episodes. It's time that we bring it back. The lightning round. I know. We need to have some music, some music for it, but we all don't. All right, Phil. Favorite movie of all time? Top Gun. Top Gun. All right. There we go. All right. All right. Favorite thing about the United States? <laughs> Favorite thing about the United States? Yes. Uh, uh, there's a there's a tricky one. Um, <laughs> it's certainly not the airports because I spend a lot of time in the U.S. airports, and it's not the favorite thing that I know in the United <laughs> States. 
I reckon. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever said are, the airports. No, I don't think so. People either. are great. People are great. That's a good um, safe I, answer. I love, I love Salt Lake. Love Salt Lake. Well, you're 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 welcome anytime. So I told a couple of our British colleagues over there. They were giving me crap about the United States and some of our unique American quirks. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, there's, <laughs> oh, there's, there's plenty of them. <laughs> yeah, there are. And I said, here was my position. I said, look, there's two there's two types of countries in the world: those who like soccer, and those who've walked on the moon. <laughs> and, and 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 they like that. So um, hashtag America. It's true. Hashtag America. Yeah, All right. So uh, are you binge watching a show right now on uh, on Netflix, Phil? Which show? Are you bit, which yeah which one? What which show are you, are you binge watching? I don't watch Netflix. I don't have time to watch Netflix. Uh, what do I enjoy? Homeland's quite good actually. That's quite good fun. Um, do you prefer that, the uh, original British version? No, no. I'm talking about the uh, the uh, FBI uh, version that uh, that you guys have uh, circulated on your TV program. So we we, we get that over here. We I enjoy a, that. We have a habit of taking British shows and making them American. Like House of Cards. The Office. The Office. Yeah, The Office. Yeah. Homeland. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. What is, besides airports, your least favorite thing about the United <laughs> Apart States? Apart I, I reckon, personally, for me, I struggle with American food. Uh, it's coming from Britain. The, the, the sizes of your meals are enormous. I have to say, you don't have to eat it all. Um, I was going to say... But uh, that—that's. Uh, I think it's the fast food I don't enjoy most. Yeah. But uh, I've got to say, some of your steakhouses are excellent. Um, We're very do, fat here, Phil. If you haven't noticed, like, <laughs> well, well, you can't make that joke. I can make that <laughs> joke. We're all. We're all fat here. The thing that the rest of the world doesn't realize is they don't have to deal with us much longer because eventually, like, probably within fifteen years, we'll all just die. Yeah, of heart true. disease. It's true. So. It but is, we're uh, going to have fun doing it. Yeah, but we will enjoy ourselves as we go out. In the meantime, yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite distinction between... It good. <laughs> exactly. The, I don't know if you ever watched Top Gear. Um, there's the yeah. new version on, uh, on uh, Amazon called The Grand Tour. That's it. And yeah. uh, in the second episode, second or third episode of the first season, they go on The Grand Tour, uh, the, the traditional Grand Tour, and one of the guys drives like a Bentley. The other guy drives, uh, I believe it was a Jag. And then the young guy shows up with a Dodge Challenger Hellcat. And it was just, it was, it was right there, the difference between the U.S. and the U.K. All right. And well, then, that's, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, our last question here, tell us about your least favorite pet of all time. Least favorite pet? Uh-huh. Ah, well, we, we did have a hamster once, which... Uh, like a little gerbil, um, and the thing got free, and we could never catch it. And it ended up um, scratching around behind the walls in the house, and uh, that was a pain in the whatever. Um, in the end, we did catch it. Um, it, it just appeared, and uh, we managed to catch it. But that was a that was my least favorite pet. I have to caught say. it with a mousetrap. There you go. That's terrible. <laughs> I love it. It was a humane one. It, I didn't have to kill it. Thank you. So, so let's jump in here, Phil. So talk, tell us about the the slightly circuitous route. Ooh, you like that word? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, the slightly circuitous route that you took to get here to Avanti. It's not like you just applied for a job and got it or something. Like, how did you get? How did you end up here at Avanti? Well, that's a great question, actually, because uh, I joined Avanti just coming up for a year ago when 
they acquired uh, my company called Concord, which was a software asset management business based out of the UK. Um, and I've built that business up since uh, uh, about 2006-07, um, built it up to practice software and hardware asset management across the world, actually. Uh, ended up with uh, some software which we built to actually help us practice that asset management. And Avanti bought the company April last year, so we're coming up to a year, as I say, and it's been a fantastic year, I have to say. It's been very, very enjoyable. So a little bit of a circuitous route. Um, before that, I was practicing asset management uh, with other businesses. I've been doing it about 18 years now, so a bit of, a, bit of an old dog or an old hand, as you might say, at the asset management. So as you said earlier, I might, uh, might have a few years behind me in this industry. So, yeah, that, that's how we got into Avanti. Phil, I'm, I'm not going to lie. The question I want to know is, how did you go from agriculture to IT asset management? <laughs> well, that, that, that is incredible. Yes, I used to be a farmer. Um, and back in the 90s, farming was a, a little bit tricky, a um, little bit hard. But also, I, I sort of beat myself up on the farm slightly, and I had to leave physical farming and went and looked for a job. Ended up going to finance, and from finance, I went into IT. Um, started in IT in about 97, 90, no, before that, 96, and have never left it. And found a niche market, which was back in the late 90s, around asset management, or back then it was just compliance. Um, do we have enough licenses? And I worked for an organization called the Federation Against Software Theft in the UK. Uh, and it was very much a sort of uh, umbrella company to uh, make sure organizations were paying for the licenses they were using. So it was quite an aggressive policing organization. And from there, I felt that it was very much more uh, applicable that customers actually were more proactive about doing this and formed my own business to help, help customers actually build their own asset management um, practices. And that's how it started. So it came, it, it's never really been um, sort of governance uh, and risk and reducing of governance and risk. It's always, in the old days, it was all about just compliance and policing how many licenses there were. And it, although audits happen now uh, and still happen, it's a different route. Um, it's, everybody knows about it. The awareness is phenomenal around ITAM and especially software asset management. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a circuitous route, as you say, but now I'm, now I'm there and have been there a while. It's been a very interesting ride watching how it's grown. So where are we on the, not we, Avanti, but like where is, where is um, the, the IT world right now in the sort of maturity curve of ITAM, right? Because um, I think everybody knows they need to do it, but it still feels like we're in maybe not the early adoption stage, but maybe just a little bit after that, right? Where you've the only, it's becoming more mainstream, but they're still truly like the forward-thinking IT departments are the only one who, ones who've truly embraced IT asset management. Is that an accurate assessment of where we are? Does it depend on the size of the company and the industry, of course? But where, where, where is the IT world right now in relation to effectively tracking their IT assets? Well, it, it, you're absolutely spot on um, because it, it, it is growing. Uh, the awareness is growing tremendously quickly at the moment, but in different areas of the world. So it really sort of started in the more regulated or countries, sorry, uh, places like the Nordics, uh, Europe and the UK. Uh, and they sort of picked it up quite quickly. 
Uh, and it was organizations like the Federation Against Software Theft that actually made that awareness quite real in organizations. And it was the mid to enterprise size organizations that actually did something about it first. Uh, and then it's gone sort of back down into the lower mid-market. But definitely enterprise needed to do something and react on that quite quickly. In the last five, six years, we've probably seen the U.S. really start to pick it up. And certain regulations have come in and organizations like the IA, ITAM, um, have awareness in the U.S. And, and Gartner have been pushing this really, really hard. So, again, size of organization is sort of mid-market upwards into the enterprise and even the most, you know, the largest groups of thousands of seats worth of uh, organizations are getting much more into it. And it is now one of those, we've got to know what our assets are. It's, it's one of those tick in the boxes that the CEO has told their organization uh, down to the CIO and further that, you know, how many assets do we own? And, you know, what, what software are we buying every year? Are we optimized? Are we making sure that we're, we're harvesting our licenses. And these questions are now the questions. So it's becoming a standard that people need to do this, find out where their assets are. So, yeah, I mean, it's growing across the world. We're seeing it right the way through Asia into Asia-Pac, um, South Africa coming online quite quickly as well. So it is becoming quite a big industry now. Did people track this stuff prior to software existing, like with spreadsheets? Like how did people... <laughs> How do people literally like tr keep track of their – because I guess there's two sides of this, right? There's software asset management. There's hardware asset management. And I can assume that it, especially smaller businesses, people, IT guys would be like, well, I just deployed a laptop. I think I'll just put that in my spreadsheet. And was that, and was that harder to track pre-networks? I mean back in the 90s and things. Oh, yeah. I, right? I mean I, I'm laughing because those stories are so true. Um, you know, we, we've got customers who we've dealt with. Uh, who've had up to 100,000 assets, you know, hardware assets, just, and I'm talking just about desktops and, and laptops, where they were managing those through spreadsheets or maybe even in, a, in some kind of um, basic CMDB or asset management database and literally updating it manually. And it was, it, it's almost farcical if you consider that nowadays. But it was real. I mean, that's how people were doing it. I mean, they couldn't even discover what software they had. It was a, a complete guesswork. So spreadsheets were, and they're still being used. We're still coming across customers today where they're saying, yeah, 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 it's okay. We manage that in a spreadsheet manually on a monthly basis, and we record all the software they use. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, really, if you consider it nowadays, where the types of tools that are out there, that, uh, tools that we have in Avanti's portfolio that are, are discovering really, really accurately all those software applications and server applications on the assets that are out in that estate. It's the, it's, there's the classic saying that it's the old Donald Rumsfeld saying, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But with discovery nowadays, you really can get out there and discover everything. Uh, there, there's no reason that a company or a large organization can't identify and discover all their assets. Um, it's just a, a need and a want to do it. And when they get that type of information, what they can do with it is, is tremendous. It, the savings that are out there are tremendous, uh, and there are lots of anecdotes around how much uh, savings value-wise that there are if you get into IT asset management. Gartner has stated numerous times that you, know, you can save 30% on your software. I mean, we actually work with an organization um, which was a, 
a large pharmaceutical organization. We worked with them when they were going through some audit issues with a couple of large vendors. And that, that risk was reduced by millions, millions of dollars in, in a couple of years. And it was, you know, that, that sort of uh, compensation back to the organization, the reduction in risk, can't be underestimated. And people are aware that this is happening, you know, that, and hence these projects are cropping up and it's becoming a standard question now. What do we do? I, we work for a bank um, not many moons ago now where they wanted to identify and optimize their software across their, their assets. They had 350,000 desktops and laptops. And they wanted and, to optimize their software, or, they, or were they more interested in yep. hardware in this scenario? No, they, they wanted to check the software they had on all their assets to make sure they were optimizing the, the types of products they were using. So instead of using three or four different uh, design software or pro word processing software or PDFs or writers and readers, they wanted to rationalize down to and optimize on just ones that they wanted to support. 350,000 devices, and we managed to do an optimization project in three months, okay? Now, to try and do that on a spreadsheet, well, it would be impossible to do that on a spreadsheet. I don't think Excel will go that long. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, <laughs> right. But it, it, it's tremendous, you know, the, the tools that are there now uh, that we, you know, that Avanti have are so strong in being able to provide a licensed position for a complex vendor like IBM or Oracle or Microsoft as well in, in days. You know, it's crazy. You can't do that in a spreadsheet. And, and the, the re return on investment is so quick and so real. Explain, explain what uh, you mean when you say the phrase licensed position, because I think we throw that around sometimes. I know internally yeah. we throw it around, and I just want to make sure our audience knows exactly what that term, what that term means. It, when it, you say licensed okay, position, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah, I suppose it's so easy for me to say it because I'm doing, you know, sort of involved in it so often. So a licensed position is being able to find all the software that you have on a device uh, or all your devices and marrying those uh, discovered software, installate your purchase contracts and entitlements and licenses. Um, but it may not just be a discovered software. It might be actually user-based software as well. So you have to actually understand SaaS-based licensing as well. But it's the marrying up between the, the usage of software and the contracts and licenses that are, that are purchasing those. Uh, and our software, License Optimizer, actually does that marrying up. It actually combines and, and merges those two together to give a licensed position of the software. So if you've got uh, 10,000 installations of Office 365 and you've only bought 9,000, then your license position is minus 1,000. If you've got more than that, then you're overspending, and you're uh, probably overspending by a considerable amount. And, and being able to monitor that with, uh, with our tools gives uh, an organization that uh, capability of managing it very, very tightly. And not, I mean, it's, th th this is, this is a, one of the weird things. We find that 75% of organizations are actually over-licensed. So they're no, that, licensed. That's they're interesting. Is that a swing? They don't need. Yeah, is that, is a, that a change? Swing? Right. Yeah, I think it is because I think the awareness is that they, they're frightened of going into an audit situation with somebody, uh, you know, a software vendor like Microsoft or whoever it is, it doesn't really matter, and going, look, we, we don't want to be caught short. We want to make sure we've got enough licenses. So let's make sure that we're, we're not under license. So they buy always more 
or tend to buy more than they need. Now, I think that's worse than being under licensed, because if you're under licensed, you're going to crew up to what you actually need. But if you're paying for more than you actually need, it's money already spent. You can't reclaim that. And that's a crazy position to be in. And 75% of organizations, that's a statistic from the analysts uh, that they've looked at, 76% are actually over-licensed. Crazy. That's madness. Wow. So, yeah, how much money does that represent, right? So so I guess people – so just to make sure I understand what you're saying, people are over-licensing because they're concerned about a software audit or because they don't know? Yeah. Or both? A bit of both. Okay. A bit of both, Yeah. And they so, so know, give so me an, so let's, let's say they use mistake. Adobe software, for example, and they're like, okay, we don't know who needs it, so we'll just buy it for everybody. It's one of those types of scenarios, yep. right? Classic, classic, absolute classic. So uh, we've got, okay, we've got 50 people who we reckon we need it, but um, how many people are actually using it? It may only be 30 or 40 of them. So they're immediately over-purchasing, and people just don't use it. So we've got metering. Uh, technology which says uh, which tells us that it's not being used so we can actually reclaim that and in our next renewal we can actually only pay for the maintenance on the licenses we need rather than what we thought we were going to be using so that's 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 special i mean that's real real time return on our investment for doing asset management absolutely that makes sense. That, I, I love that. That's awesome. So let's get into some stories. I want to hear some stories, Phil. You've been in this industry for a while. Story time with Phil. Yes. What's the craziest – give us a few of the crazy examples of you've gone into big company X that we would all recognize, and they're tracking software on a spreadsheet with a dude in a dark office type thing. Like, uh, There used to be a program in the UK called Watch With Mother, and it, it was all about story time with somebody. And it was uh, – so here's my story time, story time with Phil. Um, so uh, we've been working with an organization since the time uh, Concord, the old Concord, which was acquired by Avanti, was uh, formed. And that company is uh, uh, a company in the UK, a power company, British Gas. And uh, we worked with them right from the word go when they, they basically said, look, we, we're trying to identify what assets we got and, and how to manage our software. Uh, we've been doing it on, on spreadsheets for, for a long time, but we have no idea what we're really trying to achieve. Uh, we don't have to understand licensing and all the different license entitlements and tracking. It, no, it's not for us. But we want to do it, but can you help us? And we spent um, a number of months helping them and making sure that they could use uh, the tools that we were supplying them and also implementing processes to make sure they could actually do this on an automated basis going forward. And they've been with us, uh, it must be 11 years now, and still getting reward uh, on their investment. So they're still managing to return uh, serious amounts of money. We're talking about potentially millions every year back to the business because they are doing it right. Now, it's not just about tools. It's about the people and the processes that they've implemented, which we help them do. And because they've tied those uh, processes down really tightly, everybody in the organization understands what the, the software asset management team or the asset management team are actually providing back to the business. So they don't um, try and bypass them or, or do shadow IT purchases. They know that if they're going to put something on their laptop, they're going to be identified that they've got something which is not supported. Now, because of those processes, it means they've got a really tight regime 
which they're now being able to monitor every single person's device in that organization. They're monitoring and rationalizing and optimizing all the software they've got for the stage now. As I say, they're still getting return on investment. Now, we're, we're actually managing, I think, 250 different software vendors in that estate to the state that they have them so tied down that if somebody rings up for an audit, and, and, and I remember in uh, one of the uh, videos that we actually cut with them, um, they said, you know, we have phone calls saying we're going to come and audit you. And they basically replied, well, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And this is why we're doing it. And the audit has actually been, uh, well, come to a, an end on that phone call. So they were never audited. So the amount of investment they've put in has saved them a huge amount of money, A, but also amount of time because it takes an enormous amount of time for these, to do these and undertake these audits. So they're in a really good place. They've come from sort of zero to hero. Uh, okay, they're still doing it in 10 years, 10 years down the line, but isn't that a great thing that they're now being able to do this with a reduced workforce, uh, monitoring it and maximizing their opportunities? So I think it's a fantastic story, really brilliant. So I, I was at a conference a few weeks ago where I heard a sales leader trying to advocate for a specific technology. And uh, he told the group... Listen, in the ITAM space? Uh, no. Just no, no. in a totally different thing. Totally different thing. Got it. But he said, sometimes you just need to buy the software. Buy the software, load it yourself. He goes, sometimes you just need to engage in shadow IT. You just, and he was full on using the terminology, advocating it correctly. Uh, well, he was advocating that correctly. It seems to me that the days of the ability to do that for anybody are coming to a quick end. Is that is that is that right, Phil? Well, or it, is it, it or is it more to like the software because that's happening and it's so prevalent that our well, software it, has to be attuned to that? Yeah, I, it, it, first of all, you, you, we have to tune our software to be able to cope with that change because the change on. Uh, using software on a device, you know, an installed piece of software to a SaaS-based product which you're using through a browser. Um, but the, all the change is that you're still using software. You still need to pay for software, but you're just um, uh, getting into that software and, and uh, using that software through a different um, mechanism. Instead of it being on your device, it's through a browser. But you still need a license. And Shadow IT is actually spread because of SaaS-based products. And it's become a bit of a, uh, a loophole, if you like. But our products now can scan for SaaS-based products in an estate on a desktop through the browser. So that is something that we are catching up with and, and locking down to actually close those loopholes. So shadow IT has become a problem. Uh, we know that. So we're reacting to it and, and bringing it back into, in, into control. And there will be something else that comes along and fits the balance again. And we tend to be reactionary in, in providing solutions to those loopholes. But we're very quick at doing that. I mean, with, with Avanti, we've got that ability to really act very, very quickly and uh, be very proactive about that reaction and get it into our products and release it so that it closes those little gaps down. But shadow IT definitely is a, is a little bit of an issue that we need to, to, to work on and, uh, and keep in, in check. I, I was going to say, I about fell out of my chair when I heard that. Right, when people are advocating for it. And, yeah. And it sounds like yeah. the technologies now on the market are accounting for that. Hey, so I've seen some um, some of the – I mean, I'm a marketing guy, right? So I'm looking at the big headline that's going to get people to open an email or click on an ad. 
And um, I was talking to a member, I think, of, of your team a while back, and they were saying, um, someone on the ITAM team anyway, and they were saying, hey, look, we, um, we have some crazy statistics about how f- rapidly our average ITAM customer makes their money back or how much money they save on average or – you know, there's there's some crazy statistics out there about how much money is being lost by not using a SAM or a HAM tool, that is software asset management and hardware asset management. Any of those that you can rattle off off the top of your head or things that you've seen that that um, demonstrate how rapidly this ROI? Because if you're looking in your IT department to save money in a hurry, make a splash with your boss, there's one area where you can do that in a hurry, and that's that's ITAM, right? So you spot on, absolutely spot on. So I mean, I. Again, this is real life um, returns on investment. So working with organizations, I reckon that we can generally find the amount of money to pay for the project over a three-year period. That's both the, the product and the investment of services if they need the help for three years and find that return on investment in the first year to pay for those three years. So it's that, that's a return that you're... You know, if you're going to set a project up, that's the sort of return you would expect or want to expect in your business. So I can pay for three years' worth of products and services in the first year. Three years. Say that one more time. You can pay for three years in the first three year. Three years, products and services. So I can, I can pay for buying the product for three years and any services that I need by um, optimizing my software and hardware assets in the first year. The amount of money I save in that optimization pays for that three years. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's better than solar that panels. Is, yeah, that's better than yeah. solar panels. That's better than electric cars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy when when people hear that they go, "No, I don't believe it." I say, "Well, give it a go." Uh, you know, when you when you're say, saving potentially millions every year, it, it it makes it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. I love that. That's awesome. Absolutely, especially better than solar panels. Yeah, way better. Even Elon Musk's. Yeah, that's right. All right, Phil, so one more question for you. Um, where is ITAM headed? Like, do you think this is – are people going to be asked to – are they going to be required by their company or by their boss to get an ITAM solution in the next three to four years? I know in the U.S., for example, federal agencies have to um, use an ITAM product. That's an actual legislation that was passed. Um I know. So it, where's this headed? Like, is this going to be, is ITAM, are ITAM tools going to be integrated into your yard, larger endpoint management solutions? Are they standalone? What is, look into the future, peer into your crystal ball, okay, and so tell us what ITAM looks like in five years, 10 years. It, it, I, I love the question, actually, because it's, it's one I do get asked by customers as well, funnily enough, and, and other analysts. And it's, it's, uh, okay, how should we put it? ITAM is your starting place. It's your platform. It's your foundation, if you like, to actually do a lot of other um, very meaningful things within IT within your estate. So, obviously, within Avanti, we've got things like security, endpoint management, and also service management. And ITAM actually forms that foundation of uh, a one-stop shop, if you like, to be able to allow those other elements, the security, the endpoint management, and the service management to work from a single source of truth. So if you're discovering your, your information uh, and providing that information into an asset management database, which ITAM is, and being able to manage your, your software, the security on the software, 
uh, uh, security around ransomware, but ma- making sure that you've got your physical assets in check as well to make sure you've got everything under your thumb. Well, I mean, that's the future. Surely that is the future. It becomes user IT, unified IT. Uh, that is where we sh- every organization should be looking. Now, that perhaps they're, they're doing it, but without realizing they're doing it, with multiple different products doing all different things and using different sets of data. That is not the way to do it. It has to be a unified, single set, single source of truth that you can leverage across all those different disciplines. That's where the future is. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, one last question. Oh, we got one more. One Here we more. Go. All right. Okay, Phil, for the record, the United States, best country in the world <laughs> or greatest country in the world? <laughs> Most berated country in the world. There we go. <laughs> That's, wow. I'm, I'm gonna put you down for greatest country in the world. <laughs> so there's a there's a comedian um, here in the U.S. <laughs> this is where Steve got this, and yeah. I loved these. So Stephen Colbert. Do you know who Stephen Colbert is, Phil? No, I don't. I don't. No. So he he hosts. He now hosts one of the the nighttime he talk shows. He took over for David Letterman. Took over for David okay. Letterman. But he had a show on Comedy Central for years <laughs> where he pretended to be like a political pundit, and. And it was all a big gag, but he would sit down with like legit senators and, and Congress, people in Congress in Washington, D.C. at the time when George W. Bush was president. He'd meet with their opponents. And he'd meet with their opponents. He'd meet with like the Democrats, and George W. Bush was a Republican, and they did not like Bush. And he would sit down and say, <laughs> say question, George W. Bush, great president or greatest president? And he would make them answer. So this Democrat would be on the record as either saying George W. Bush was a great president or the greatest president. So I think yes. that's what that's Love what uh, that's exactly Steve just where I did got to it. you. Yes. Well, well Phil, it. are you a scale of one to ten? How excited are you for the upcoming royal wedding? Uh, yes, it's passing us by. Uh, I think, but, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Really, really excited. Yes, yes great. Absolutely. Fantastic. I think Americans yeah. are more excited for it than the Brits. I've talked. I, th- to. I think we're excited <laughs> for it because we're so thrilled. Those of us who watch Suits were like, we know who she is. Yeah, we know who she is. We know who Meghan Markle is. Yeah, you is. do. Yeah. Yeah. No, even even I know who she is now. <laughs> well, we st- so my first son was born like a week before William and Kate's wedding, and so it was. I was up all night anyway, and so I literally sat in our apartment at the time and watched. William and Kate's whole wedding while I, I soothed a newborn infant. I was at Merrill Lynch, wow. and I remember the guy in the office next to me watched the entire ceremony <laughs> full volume. <That's> <laughs> there you go. And well, I'm, I'm, like, I'm glad it means something. It does. You. We like it over here. I was I was <laughs> doing my thing, but he I can tell you he did not miss a moment. Our politics are in a weird place, Phil, so we, we rely on the Brits to keep us, well, keep us going. We, we keep you amused, shall we say. No, oh, well. We, we, the, the Brits love uh, the Royals, and uh, it's, it's a great, uh, it, it'll be a great time, I'm sure, and everybody oh. will have a, uh, a superb day. We were over in the UK when somebody went to school for the first time, and it was like... Oh, yeah, we were. That's right. We yeah. were over there on a <laughs> business trip. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was Prince George that went to school for the first time, and it was just like, <laughs> holy crap, what's happening? Yeah. All right. Thank All you. right, Phil. Well, thanks for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it, and thanks for taking Steve's mockery. Yes. And um, just his general bad attitude. Yeah. So you see what right. I have to deal with. Yes. It, it, it sounds all right. He's almost got an English sense of humour. <laughs> yeah, just very sarcastic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, listeners, we want to keep hearing from you. So keep sending in your questions. I'm on... indifferent. I don't really care if we hear from you. Well, that's McKay's different. I want to keep hearing from you. So keep sending in your questions on the Facebook group. 
and through our inter, uh, our email, interchangeitpodcast at avanti.com. Uh, you can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at interchangepod. Um, and don't forget, coming up quickly, so quickly, is Interchange, our big show in Dallas. Come join us. We'll be broadcasting from we the will. show. There is a big, there is a, a big lobby. In this lobby, there are two statues. Two giant, two giant marble-looking elephants. elephants. Yes. Because the Republican National Convention in the United States was held there like 30 years ago. So yes. they have these giant elephant statues. Yes. Well, and Texas. And it's in Texas. So they can do whatever they want. Texas. Yeah. We just kind of let them do whatever they want. Yes. Um, they're their own republic. They really are. Yeah, I think they're actually a separate country. So anyway, we are broadcasting from somewhere in between these two elephants, I have heard. Yes. Very excited for this. Yes. That. And so if you want to register... Use the promo code PODCAST18, and that'll give you 100 bucks off registration. $100. 100-buckaroos, um, which is appropriate for Dallas. Yeah, that's right. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And finally, thank you to Big Giant Circles for the music. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we hope to meet you in Dallas. With that, guys, good luck. IT Podcast is brought to you by Avanti, a software company that helps you succeed in every aspect of your job, including operational IT security, asset management, service management, and supply chain management. Find out more at Avanti.com.